0: Hello and welcome to season four of the What is Sustainable podcast. We are excited to kick off the new year with yet another podcast episode. The University of Waterloo is known for constantly innovating and going beyond ideas. A prime example of this is through the work of UW and Wilfrid Laurier student entrepreneurs who created SheCycle through the MetaX pitch competitions. We are excited for today's podcast where we'll be discussing all things SheCycle. My name is Neha Praveen, and I'm in my fourth year of Environment, Resources, and Sustainability at the University of Waterloo. With me here today is my co-host, Mihika, and our podcast guests, Anna Wright and Abby Lowen. Mihika, over to you.
1: My name is Mihika. I am in my fourth year of Environmental Resources and Sustainability here at the University of Waterloo. I am so thrilled to have both Abby and Anna with me here today to learn more about SheCycle. Uh, So, how about we start with introductions? Can you tell us a little more about your academic background? Um, Hi, I'm Anna. Um, I did my Bachelor's of Science in Health
2: Studies at Waterloo, and then from there I pivoted more towards the design space. And right now I'm finishing up my Master's in Digital Experience Innovation, also at Waterloo at the Stratford School of Interaction Design and Business.
3: Hi, I'm Abby. I started my undergrad as a double degree student doing math at the University of Waterloo and business at Wilfrid Laurier University. Just a couple months into our SheCycle journey, I actually switched programs over to just studying business at Wilfrid Laurier University, very concentrated in business and sustainability.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much. It's always interesting to hear about other people's academic backgrounds and how that translates into their current work. Would you be able to tell us a little bit more about SheCycle and what inspired you to start the business?
3: When our team for X got together, we were brainstorming different problems that we felt passionately about. And I suggested menstrual hygiene in developing countries, specifically where clean water wasn't accessed. And Anna, with some experience shadowing a midwife in Uganda, was pretty eager to jump on it and contributed to it. So ultimately our team decided we were going to pursue it. We went through a number of iterations as solutions to that problem. And we had a number of different ideas along the way, but ultimately landed on an antimicrobial reusable pad. Uh, based on research, we thought that that would best fit the cultural stigma constraints as well as price and be able to actually adjust the need long-term.
1: That's great, and that's honestly truly inspiring. And it's great to learn about more about G-Cycle and their products. You mentioned uh, Meta X and the role they played. Would you be able to go over uh, what the Meta X process was like? Our experience
2: with Meta X was a really positive one. Um, we started out as a team of six people that have been selected that were people who were really passionate about sustainability and finding business-based solutions to poverty. And from there, we had a group of people who were passionate, but not sure exactly what we were passionate about. So while we chose the direction of looking at menstrual hygiene management and how that interacts with poverty, we also were there to explore That was a big part of it. And so we were able to learn from the other groups that were there to pitch and explore other issues and hear from a lot of people who were experts in the field, who gave talks and workshops. And I remember us being really, really excited to talk to some people who had worked for the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and people who are really big players in um, the sustainability world and the poverty alleviation world who are all working on these issues together. So my overall takeaway from MetaX X was that it was just such a huge opportunity to get to know people who were passionate about the same core values of sustainability and poverty alleviation as we were. Wow, that's honestly very inspiring. As a student,
0: there have been many times where I had an idea and I wanted it to come into fruition through uh, you know, creating my own initiative, but what held me back was not knowing where to start. So how did UW help you guys and what advice would you give someone who is looking to start a new initiative?
2: I also didn't know where to start and ended up Googling how to start a nonprofit. And thankfully, Um, St. Paul's Greenhouse was the first result that came up for me. And that's how I got started because that happened to be a really good door into the whole innovation ecosystem at Waterloo. There are so many players within it, um, but I started out at Greenhouse.
3: Yeah, I would say uh, UW in general has helped a ton along the way. We also got a lot of assistance from the Center for Peace Advancement. Um, specifically Paul there, was amazing to work with. Um, As far as once you have a bit of an idea of what you're doing from some of these resources, you've put together an idea, I really recommend just getting your feet wet with pitch competitions that I feel like some of the best advice we got was from after pitching at different places, people coming up to us afterwards and saying, this was great, here's how you can build on it. And that's where some of our strongest ideas came from, I think. I also would definitely mention
2: that um, the Faculty of Environment, specifically their focus on entrepreneurship, has been so helpful for us. Um, it's not specifically like an uh, an incubator on campus, but there are so many resources through Environment. We have had uh, a huge amount of resources that we've had access to through um, the World's Challenge Challenge Pitch Competition that um, is very intertwined with environment. And specifically, we've really appreciated support from Brock Dickinson, um, who's the entrepreneur in residence as well. Um, So in terms of getting started, I think it's just a matter of choosing any of the places on campus that have to do with entrepreneurship or social impact and just running with it from there because it's almost impossible to only be involved at one node of the system. They all work together really, really well. Um, So it's really just a matter of getting your foot in there.
1: Great. Thank you so much for all that insight and the advice. I'm pretty sure it's going to be really helpful for students like Sneha and I who are uh, wanting to start something of our own so we've been looking at G cycle through the lens of a UW student, uh, but just in a broader sense, uh what impact do you think has your company left uh on a global scale? I think this one is a hard
2: question to answer measurably, but one of the things that Abby and I have noticed is that this conversation about menstruation and the waste associated with the use of menstrual products, and even just talking about the stigma that surrounds menstruation or lack of access to menstrual hygiene products. All of these conversations are happening now. And I'm not saying that SheCycle is the reason that's happening globally, but I do think that um, we've had a role in starting that conversation in our immediate community. And um, I know for a fact that As soon as we started talking about this publicly, all of a sudden a bunch of community organizations were reaching out to us on LinkedIn and asking, do you wanna do this thing with us? Do you want to um, just chat and share ideas about how we might tackle the issue of menstrual poverty in um, Kitchener-Waterloo? I was just at Starbucks today and they have um, a menstrual hygiene product drive for a local women's shelter. That's happening right now. And things like that didn't happen quite as much when we started Chi Cycle. And it's really rewarding to see that that conversation is happening, whether or not we did have an impact on it. But I think we brought the conversation to some places that I don't know if it would have happened so easily otherwise.
0: Yeah, that's honestly, you really hit the nail there. Because I remember like growing up, it was such a big deal to even talk about your period or menstruation in general and for the longest time personally I didn't and so I don't know with everyone now being more outspoken about it it's made me feel a lot comfortable talking about it and even just having this conversation itself is just like a huge thing for me at least
1: so just to add to Sinha's point earlier a thank you so much for starting SheCycle to add my personal experience to this I've grown up in a developing country Uh, I'm from India and we were never taught about menstruation in high school, in middle school. We were just never taught about it. So one day I went to my mom and I started crying and I was just like, what's going on? And me being a sixth grader, if I knew what she cycle like, then, I think that would have made a really, really good impact on my mental health at that point. Uh, so I'm really glad you can do the same for others uh, who didn't get the opportunity like I did.
3: I'm really sorry that that was your experience that you didn't get that education in school. That's, that's really unfortunate.
0: Yeah. um, So just want to talk about more sustainability related things. What role does sustainability play in SheCycle?
3: So sustainability has been a big part of SheCycle in a lot of different aspects. So one of the core things when we were developing our model was we were looking at sustainability in the sense of an organization that could sustain itself and continue to provide benefit in the community so not necessarily in an environmental lens, um, but more in an organizational lens, was one of our primary drivers. We really wanted to create sustained impact. The other way that sustainability was really important to us a little bit later down the road, when we were looking at how the product could fit into a North American market, we really looked at waste, and specifically the waste regard around menstrual hygiene products. I think the stats were something around 5 to 15,000 products per person who menstruates in their lifetime and 500 to 800 years per product to decompose, if at all. And those were some pretty daunting numbers for us. And so sustainability was a key driver in our idea of developing a product because we wanted to, we didn't want to contribute to that waste. Um, And ideally we wanted to create alternatives so that it didn't have to keep being perpetuated.
1: That's great to hear. Uh, As environmentalists, we love to see products that are able to tackle both uh, social impacts and environmental impacts um, that we face currently. In terms of the sustainable menstruation industry as a whole, what do you think are some of the key underlying issues that the industry faces, if any? I think now's a really interesting
2: time for the sustainable menstruation industry because the conversation is really happening. And very quickly, the stigma around using um, reusable menstrual products is really rapidly decreasing. I remember when we first started doing user research about a reusable pad, I remember we had a meeting and we were like, who is even going to test our product? Who would be willing to test a reusable pad? And we genuinely had doubts that any of our North American peers would be willing to be part of our user testing group. Um, And in just a few short years, that has really dramatically changed. Um, With a wider variety of products being available, they're able to meet whatever needs the person has, whether that's cultural needs or whatever access to clean water is or a private bathroom area, whatever you need in order to use reusable products you can generally find it now. I even saw, um, I get this this eco magazine, and I was literally right before this call, I noticed that they were advertising a reusable tampon applicator. I don't know if anyone has seen that, but it's really, it's become something that the market has taken hold of. Now, there's, there's benefits and drawbacks to that, but I think the biggest thing that I've noticed is that there's now a market for it. And that's completely different than it was a few years ago. So I'm really curious to see how it changes. But I think the biggest issue that the industry faces today is the fact that a lot of these reusable products that are being produced as a result of this increased demand, I don't know how much they do deliver on that sustainable impact that's advertised. Like when you look at something like a reusable tampon applicator, is that having the level of impact that we're desiring in a reusable product or is that something that we need to find better solutions for still? That's kind of where I I wonder in terms of the issues. I wonder if there's a lot of greenwashing happening and I also wonder about that happening with more alternatives going towards using organic materials or biodegradable materials. I'm curious to see some more research coming back on the impact of those from a sustainability standpoint. So I think we're really at a pivotal point when it comes to the more sustainable
1: menstruation
2: products on the market.
1: I couldn't agree more because I was shopping for a menstrual cup a while back and I didn't know if that was a uh, safety wise uh, all right and if it was actually sustainable in the means that they sourced the product and they think how they got it here. So do you have any, just to tackle that issue, do you have any advice for those who are trying to be more sustainable? Any way to avoid that greenwashing or um, just a way to stay clear of it? I think one of the best things you can do
2: is research the company a little bit more. So with a lot of alternatives for menstrual cups and cloth pads coming out period underwear, there's all sorts of fantastic sustainable options. And now that it's become more popular, there are some companies that are having a really positive impact through the creation of those items. And there's some companies that are not necessarily having that um, positive impact that's traditionally been associated with sustainable menstrual products. So there's some Canadian companies that are amazing. There are some companies that really are focusing on international impact in alleviating menstrual poverty around the world or even in our communities um, in Canada, in North America. So do a little bit more research before you decide to buy a particular brand of a product. But that being said, do try products and try a variety of products. If you're trying to figure out how do I do this more sustainably, I've found that it's most helpful to try something that's similar to what you like to use now. And there's a lot of alternatives that are more sustainable now that do cover the range of how people manage their menses with disposable products. So try something that's similar to what you do now and then branch off from there. So if you're somebody who doesn't like to use pads, using a reusable pad right away might be a harder thing to do. So really go to that sustainable option that fits your needs first, maybe even if it's not the most sustainable option, because ultimately it's kind of the first step on the journey um, in the research that we did in terms of um, behavior change and how it's most effective for people to make that switch to more sustainable products. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, On to our next question,
0: which is a little bit bigger. I know a lot of your work was inspired by your time spent in Uganda and now she cycle aims to provide women with a means of practicing proper hygiene and menstrual care in areas where people may not have access to clean water. Considering that 7 million Ugandans lack access to safe water and 28 million do not have access to improved sanitation facilities, how does one maintain effective menstrual care in countries that struggle with accessing clean water?
2: That's where the more tech-based part of SheCycle comes in. Um, The biggest thing that SheCycle does differently than a lot of the organizations that are out there targeting um, ending this cycle of menstrual poverty is the fact that SheCycle pads have an antimicrobial um, component that prevents bacteria um, from growing in the fabric, regardless of whether or not the product is being used as advised. So we found that while a lot of organizations were distributing reusable pads, and that was amazing, there were some cultural and and systemic factors that meant that sometimes these pads were contributing to urinary tract infections in the same kind of way that using um, alternative methods like leaves and mattress foam and newspaper to manage your menses was causing infections as well. So it was still not necessarily a safe way of managing people's menses. So we found that the main factors that contributed to that was not being able to dry the pads completely because they needed to be dried indoors because of cultural reasons, and also the fact that access to clean water is not always available and often isn't available. So the combination of those two factors meant that we really felt that it, it needed to be an antimicrobial pad before we could move forward with any other type of of technology that might um, improve the pad overall. And it's a bit of a band-aid solution. So we let me backtrack a little bit. Um, The pad itself being antimicrobial is addressing an immediate problem that we hope can be amplified, not the problem. The antimicrobial aspect of the pad does target that um, water and sanitation issue and the cultural barriers to properly washing and drying pads, but that only targets a part of the problem. We still think that it's really important to um, impact long-term behavior change so that culturally it's not necessarily that people need a specific product, but they're able to have access to whatever products they need to manage Um, their menses.
1: That was really insightful and definitely it was a difficult question to answer and I don't think there's one right answer to it but what you said and what G-Cycle is doing has really been helpful uh, to see how we combat that. And on that note, uh, is there any chance for UW students in the community or the UW community to get involved with this and help women around the world to have access to the basic menstrual care?
3: So SheCycle itself, we've pivoted pretty significantly and decided that we're not the right people to address this problem anymore. As Anna mentioned earlier, the culture in North America around reusable products has changed pretty drastically so there wasn't a need for a product in north america anymore as for within uganda there have been some really interesting strides taken in the social enterprise space specifically diva international has done some really interesting work and There's a lot of attention and aid that is starting to address the problem that we were discussing. Personally, we had other ambitions career-wise, and I would also say that we didn't feel like we were the right people to address menstrual hygiene in Uganda because we both grew up in Ontario, (laughs) and that's just a very different environment. So with chi specifically, no, there aren't really opportunities. We are actually closing. Um, however, if this is a space that students are really passionate about, there's some really interesting initiatives in Waterloo. I believe changing the flow, Waterloo is one. Do a bit of research. There are really interesting opportunities internationally if you want to get involved. I think Anna might be able to speak a little bit better on how she got involved internationally, but I would recommend research myself. Yeah, after a lot of consideration about
2: how to best address the problem, we landed on being able to support organizations that are Ugandan owned and Ugandan led that are already making huge strides in the space. So as Abby mentioned, Diva International has done incredible work specifically in the past couple of years that they hadn't expanded at the time that we were launching SheCycle. Um, And we're really excited about that work that's happening. And similarly, there's a, a organization called Afropads that is based in Uganda. That is um, an organization we have really admired and looked up to all throughout the process. So if you're interested in getting involved in a specific organization, Afropads is one that I would highly recommend taking a look at specifically for Uganda. And Abby and I are always willing to chat. So it doesn't mean that SheCycle in essence is done. Um, We're closing this chapter for it as a business. But Abby and I are definitely carrying on the same and the same energy into solving problems going forward Um, and specifically for me in the space in Kitchener Waterloo. So if you're really interested in menstrual equity, changing the flow for sure is a fantastic resource. And I would love to talk to you about all of the other places around here, too, Um, because there's a lot happening in this community in particular.
0: I guess for our last question, what can we do here in Canada for greater awareness of this issue in terms of education systems? Is there anything we can change there or even just anything you would recommend in terms of books or podcasts, uh, articles,
2: just so we can be more educated on this topic? In terms of systemic change that I would love to see, I would love to see qualified educators teaching people about menstruation. Um, in schools. I, I don't think it's necessarily fair to expect people, either people who don't menstruate or people who are uncomfortable talking about the topic of menstruation, to teach people about menstruation. I think that's a huge part of why it's still considered to be a taboo issue in a lot of places. But on the flip side of that, I think that platforms like TikTok and even Instagram provide a huge opportunity that's being harnessed to decrease the stigma about talking about just the basics of how do you manage your menses? What are your options? How does this even work in your body? Um, And I think this is access to health information that is really important for today's youth in particular in understanding how their bodies work and how to care for themselves without that inherent discomfort that a lot of teachers have in talking about the issue. Because at the end of the day, I don't think that teachers need to be an expert on the topic, but I I do think that youth need to learn from someone who is comfortable and understands how to communicate without stigmatizing the issue. Um, I think that's a huge part of the systemic nature of the issue.
1: Just a follow-up question for that, I have tried educating my sister, uh, even though she's elder to me, about sustainable menstruation. And um, what I've always felt is that, like you mentioned earlier, there's a stigma around sustainable menstruation and cloth pads. Being an environment student, when I first heard of cloth pads, I was also a little bit hesitant. But how do you combat that stigma? Do you have any advice or maybe how we can convince people around us to maybe make a change? So... An anecdote
2: that I have often come back to personally, I don't even know if I've shared this one with you, Abby. I probably have over the years. But my first memory of Diva Cup was when I was in Montreal as a 13-year-old. They had a booth at an eco-fair that had a bunch of different um, eco-friendly products. And my most prominent memory was that the friend who I was there with, when we walked by, she turned to me and whispered, ugh, gross. And that's stuck with me ever since. Because it made me realize that people genuinely do have really differing perspectives. Um, And I think that we need to be so gentle with how we approach the topic when people have such a gut reaction um, that's been fed into by systemic issues, by beliefs about the bodies of people who menstruate and whether our bodies are clean or dirty or good or bad, or all of those systemic issues come together when we talk about menstruation, and it is so, so sensitive. Um, So I think that creates a really unique challenge when talking about behavior change. And I think that a lot of companies are finally getting it in that they're creating products that are really catering to that demographic of people who aren't quite ready yet to be that comfortable with their bodies as people needed to be in the past in using um, sustainable products. And that brings me back to the reusable tampon applicator. You know, if that's your first step, celebrate that. And as people gain comfort with moving beyond the familiar, that's when we start to see behavior change, but it needs to be incremental. Um, We can't jump straight from whatever, like if you're only comfortable using tampons, Using a reusable pad is going to be uncomfortable for a lot of people, um, and so making that incremental change is such a big thing. And and providing options that feel comfortable and familiar um, to people is is a huge aspect of that. And supporting that change for other people. I also think that sometimes removing the the emphasis on sustainability or any emphasis on morality associated with it can help people to make that transition and be gentle with themselves as they're learning and starting to incorporate different products and try out different products. And the third thing that has really affected the reusable market is actually the fact that we've been at home. So there's very little risk socially associated with trying new products because it's really nerve wracking to be using a product that you either aren't familiar with or you're not sure it's going to work for you and leaving your home. Menstruation is still a very highly stigmatized subject and a lot of us are still very sensitive about it, especially socially. So providing space for people to try things or suggesting that they just try something overnight is also an option that I've seen be really successful.
3: If I can jump in a little here, I grew up in a family that did not talk about periods and I remember like sneaking things back to my bedroom Garbage because I was afraid of someone seeing it in the bathroom. So I made the transition to reusable products, kicking and screaming. I remember it was a little bit too far down in the she cycle journey before I started adopting any, if I'm honest, because I was really uncomfortable with it. And to be totally frank, I kind of had to bite the bullet at some point and I tried a Diva Cup. It wasn't for me. Uh, There are other products out there. I'll say something like the NYX Period Panties they're black in color, you don't see anything, that there is some, there's some other products out there that are a lot, make it a lot more subtle and feel a bit more familiar that are easier to transition into. And yeah, being at home makes it a lot, a lot easier.
0: Actually, just to add to that, I'm on the same boat. I've been so nervous about uh, trying a menstrual cup, but There are so many new products coming out these days where they're like different shapes of cups. There are different sizes that are accommodating to everyone and their flow and cycle
1: um, and what they're comfortable with, which is honestly so great. Thanks, Nia. And thank you so much for all that insight. It was really, really helpful. And that concludes our first episode of season four's What is Sustainable podcast. Thank you so much, Anna and Abby. For joining us and sharing your journey with us your story is truly inspiring and it's inspiring not only to UW students but also the whole globe we're so excited to see uh, see what the future holds with sustainable menstruation and uh, thank you so much for your time thank,
0: thank you, you so you. much for having us And to our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. We encourage you to share this podcast with your friends and family. And please let us know what you'd like to hear for future podcasts by emailing us at sustainability at uwaterloo.ca or by DMing us on our Instagram at uwsustainability. Thanks again and hope to see you next time.